Hey guys, uh, this is Bowtie Guy. Uh, we recorded the show uh, for you today, and my microphone was all messed up. I was way too close to the mic and did not realize it until after the show. I apologize for that. So you got uh, really bad overmodulated sound from me. Uh, my guest sounds pretty good, so um, we're going to go with that, and I apologize. Hey, it's a messed it up podcast, right? So uh, here's a little mess that gets uh, turned into a message. Hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy, and we are here this morning with another show for you. Uh, we're, we're halfway through June now, guys, in one week. Next Tuesday, next show day, it's the uh, the summer solstice, and it'll officially be summer, the longest day of the year, and the days will start getting shorter. My wife is getting very sad about that because she loves the long days. I'm getting excited because I'm a winter kind of guy, uh, but uh, either way, that's what's going on today. We are here with show number 219, and uh, I got a guest coming up for you uh, that we'll introduce in a little bit, but I want to tell you a little bit about some stuff that you can do for us if you would be so kind first of all follow us on our social media we're on instagram we're on um uh we're on twitter we're on facebook we're on reddit we have a reddit called messed up ministry so check that one out um i like to have people read what i write otherwise it just feels like a crazy person writing in the middle of the night and sending it out into nothing uh we have a blog called uh, minister of mocha that comes out on mondays that you can check out and uh, you can also just tell everybody about the show because the more people that hear it, the more people that have a chance to get blessed. So I really appreciate you guys uh, reposting and posting and uh, spreading the word. Just bang the drum for, for your local uh, uh, messed up ministries uh, idiot on the uh, podcast. And that would be me. Uh, if you want to help the show out financially, we are 100% listener supported. So you can give in one of two ways. Our first way to give is to go to messituppodcast.com. Click on the little button there that says become a sponsor or sponsor us or something like that. Maybe it just says sponsor. That's what it says. Uh, and that'll take you to our Patreon site, which um, allows you to do a, a one-time or a monthly gift. We have some swag for you, depending on how much you give. And for as little as $1 a month, you can financially support the show. And uh, we really appreciate all that you do for that. Um, like I said, we got gifts for our givers, uh, window stickers and T-shirts and books and all kinds of stuff, depending on what you give. When you become one of our... Uh, financial supporters, you get access to our Discord chat server where you can talk to other Patreon and uh, and text givers, uh, fans of the show and whatnot. You can just discuss things as you want. You also become part of our book club so you can join uh, and read books with us and, and join that discussion. So that's our Patreon. If you prefer to do a text to give, mum's the word, M-U-M, just text that word mum to the phone number 760-WALLS- CA. And that sends us into the walls of the prisons in California. Uh, it'll take you through a little thing. You can do a one-time gift or a recurring gift. Now, the nice thing about the text to give is that is 100% tax deductible. The uh, Patreon is 92% tax deductible because Patreon keeps about 8%, which I'm not allowed to give you a deduction on, but we'll give you your forms at the end of the year and everything like that. So you can uh, put it on your taxes. So if you're looking for a, a good deduction or just a good way to support a ministry, uh, text that word mom to wall 760 wall CA, and that will get you to us. We really appreciate all you do. If you do the text to give, that also gives you uh, access to our swag and uh, book club and 
the Discord server as well. So uh, thanks to all of our patrons who uh, have been so generous in giving to us, and thank you to all you people. Um, just so you know where that money goes, a lot of it goes into a gas tank to get people to prisons. Um, we filled up the gas tank the other day in our car, and uh, it, it, it went over three digits uh, for the first time. We had to pay more than three digits to go fill up our car with gas. Uh, and uh, one tank of gas gets us uh, to the prison about three times. So, um, so we need about five of those uh, each month. And we really appreciate you guys for helping us out doing that. Uh, you are also super important to us. And uh, I know that you've got stories. So if you want to submit your story or be on the show, or you've got a person who needs to be on the show that you think about, uh, you can send an email to me. It's bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. And you can give me your show notes. If you want to talk to intern Dave out in Hawaii, it's info at messituppodcast.com. Or if you want to get right straight to me, the, 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 the easiest way to get into my ear is through my phone. That's 760-608-1942. You can give me a call or a text and uh, talk about whatever's going on in your life. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Or if you just want to chat and you know you're, you're, you need someone to howl at the moon at and you feel like throwing rocks at something, uh, you can call me instead and we'll try to keep you from, from being one of my, uh, my inside uh, listeners. You can still be on the outside by not uh, going out and breaking the law because you're having a struggle. So don't for, uh, hesitate to reach out, 760-608-1942. That'll get you right to me. All right, enough of all that blah, blah. Here is uh, the time where I'm going to let you... Uh, uh, be introduced to our guest. My friend Dennis from Prison Fellowship is joining the show today. Hi, Dennis. Hey, what's going on, BTG? I love that BTG. Yeah, the first time he said that, I was like, what does he say? Oh, bow tie guy. I like that. Um, so uh, Dennis is, um, you're a, a field director for Prison Fellowship? Correct, correct. Nice, nice. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Before we do, I want to uh, give you our word of the week because that's a fun thing. Our word of the week this week is propensity. And uh, propensity is, um, you know, having a, a natural ability or, or a leaning to behave in a certain way. Like I have a propensity to talk a lot um, and make I can relate bad to jokes. That. I, I do as well. Nice. Well, that is true. You put me and Dennis in a room, just go ahead and sit down because you're not going to get to talk. We're going to be doing <laughs> all the words are going to be taken by me and Dennis. Um, so uh, if you can use that word in your sentences this week give yourself 10 bonus points remember to keep track of your own bonus points because i don't want to keep track of your bonus points i have enough to do on my job already so so there you go propensity use that and um and prosper all right enough of all the blah blah dennis welcome to the show um tell us a little bit about yourself what what did you know what did your life look like before christ how did you uh how did you get to know the the, the big guy well, thank you there, BTG, and I am super excited to be on here with you, and I definitely have a propensity to, to uh, talk too much, but I, I will try not to be mendacious, so that's another good word Ooh. for you. Wow. Gotta look out, look that one up. Um, yeah, God has done, done quite the miracles in my life. Um, I've been incredibly blessed over uh, many, many years. Um, uh, probably pretty unique from what most people have, have done as far as their um, coming to Christ in that I was raised in a Jewish home. So both sides oh, all wow. the way back, we are hundred percent Jewish. And while we were not, um, fully Jewish to the point where we do everything, we were definitely had, uh, my parents that would take us to a uh, synagogue every week. And, um, we had other family members. My great aunt was, uh, Orthodox. She kept a kosher 
kosher home. So we uh, definitely grew up in the Jewish uh, faith. And um, I never really had a relationship with God. I, I kind of went through the motions. I watched my brother. He's four years older when he went through his bar mitzvah. And he got lots of gifts. And I said, cool, I'll do it just so I get all the gifts. And then um, my sister is two years older than me. And she went through her bat mitzvah. Um, doing that while she was out doing other stuff that she shouldn't have been doing, but that's okay. And uh, I came, I was 12 years old, almost 13, getting ready for my bar mitzvah. And I went to my parents and said, you know, I, I don't want to do it. It's just not my thing. What, and, uh, what, what brought that about? So no, I just didn't have a relationship with God. And I just felt, I, I'm, I'm not sure to be honest. I just, I just didn't, I knew there was a God. I knew there was something, but I wasn't interested in what that was. Wow. And it was weird for me because I wasn't a partier. I wasn't getting into trouble. I was a decent student. I was hanging out with friends and just doing the, you know, riding bikes and doing whatever. I wasn't a bad person. So it wasn't like I was running from God. I just wasn't interested in God. And wow. so, uh, yeah, it was kind of a crazy thing. So I didn't do my bar mitzvah. And, and my parents at the time just said, you know, be a good person. And that's okay. And so... Uh, I said, okay. So I, I was a good person, went through high school and uh, did my thing. And again, never got in trouble. Um, when my wife and I got married in the eighties, she had, was, was also not a Christian and she wanted to pursue um, Christianity. And so we moved from a small city to a bigger city. And so um, she started going to church. I said, great. Whereabouts was this? Was this in California or? Yeah, so we started, I, I moved from LA. I grew up in LA. Then I transplanted to Lake Isabella. So just above Ridgecrest and right above Bakersfield. And um, then in, got married there. And then in early 90s, uh, went down and, and moved to Bakersfield in the 90s. Okay. Uh, at the time I was working in law enforcement and um, had promoted and they wanted me down to Bakersfield. So moved down there. So she wanted to go to church. Say great, I support you 100%. I'll sit home and watch football, and you go have a good time at church. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if there's any Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there, but I always made sure to watch my Pittsburgh Steelers play football. Yeah, I see. I, right now, you guys can't see it, but I, I'm looking over Dennis's shoulder, and there's a beautiful helmet right back there with the, that. Oh, a lot of, lot of other, a lot of other Steelers stuff. Yeah, yeah, got buddy. High, right, it's under to the cross, though. If you see that, it's not That's above right. the yes, cross. Yes, yes, cross above cross. it. Yes. So. Um, yeah, she went and uh, she was really wise. So unbeknownst to me, it was a brand new church that had just started and she started going to church and she got baptized and shame on me, but I didn't even go to her baptism. I just wasn't interested in God. Wow. And uh, yeah, so. Um, and, and it's not that you were against him. You were just, just apathetic. I just wasn't interested. Yeah, it just wasn't my focus. I was, I was doing my work. I was working out all the time. I was doing martial arts. I was doing a lot of other stuff. So I just wasn't into churches. Just had a bunch of other stuff I wanted to do. And come Sunday I just that was my day to relax I did yeah. something every other day and I just wanted to relax uh, kind of funny that I wanted to have a Sabbath day even though I didn't wasn't following God <laughs> but that's okay so very wisely uh, one day she told me that they were having a barbecue which that's kind of my weak spot and uh, yeah. they were going to do it right after church and we were living on the east side of town and the church was on the west side of town and so I said, oh, okay, so that'll be fun. I said, yeah, you know, I'll meet you there after church. And she said, well, you know, why don't you just come to church and then we'll just go there right afterwards because, you know, it's just a long drive and it would just be easier just to go together. And I'm like, well, all right. But I said, we're going to sit in the back of the church and nobody's going to talk to me. <laughs> and so um, 
I said, okay, I'll go. So we went and we went to uh, some folks um, had a condo and, and they had a pool there and we played water volleyball and had a barbecue and something happened that day that I, I never thought would happen. Growing up in a Jewish home or even growing up in a Catholic home or even in a Christian home, I always thought that you had the rabbi was, you had God, and then you had the rabbi was next. Then you'd have the cantor or like the assistant rabbi was next, and then it would be everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, in my, in my immature mind, thought, okay, so you have a priest, then you have maybe a, a lesser priest, and then you have other people. So I'm thinking, okay, you have a pastor, then maybe you have a, a lesser pastor, and then all of a sudden you have the people. So I'm thinking, okay, so I'm here playing water volleyball with this guy that's about 6'5", 300 and something pounds, big old guy. And he's the lead pastor of this church that, that I had just gone to for the first time. And he was a normal person. And everybody <laughs> there was a normal person. They weren't better than me. They weren't worse than me. They were humble servants. And I was like, wow. So I had in my mind built up this image of what a, a person of God was. And that was completely shattered that day playing water volleyball with all these people and just getting to know them. So at that gathering, there was a, a couple there, Chip and Jan, who have since become my spiritual parents for sure. And so they were leading a Bible study at their house. And so we made wonderful friends. And for the next year and a half or so, I went to this Bible study. My wife and I went to this Bible study. We did not have children at the time yet. And we completely poured our lives into each other. We'd go camping together. We did everything together. And I was still not a believer. I went there and they were patient with me. I still remember when we would open in prayer and close in prayer, I'd like, okay, please make it a quick prayer. Don't talk too much. I just want to get this over with. And um, so I went there for a year and a half and not believing in Christ, but open to hearing because I wanted to see how the Old Testament as a Jewish individual, how the Old Testament tied into the New Testament and who is this Jesus and how does he fit into all of this? Because none of it made sense. It was just really foreign to me. Um, So a year and a half later, uh, Jan, one of my home group leaders, we were talking one day and she led me to Christ. And uh, yeah, life's been different since then. So this was in the early 90s. I gave my life to Christ. My wife was a Christian as well. And uh, started getting very involved in the church. Became good friends with the pastor, the one that I was playing water volleyball with. We actually went and played racquetball probably two or three days a week. And uh, got into leadership. My wife and I led a Bible study for a long time. And uh, God was just really moving. So... Uh, unfortunately, as sometimes happens, some things started going kind of a little crazy at the church, and it ended up closing down, and there were some disciplinary things that happened to the pastor, And but that's okay. God's got a plan. Mm-hmm. So we started going to another church. We did some research, and a lot of the people that left the church we were at went to this new church, and this is also a brand new church. And so almost right away with my ministry experience, the, the pastor there asked me to get into youth ministry. And help out. They didn't have anybody doing youth. And again, it was a tiny church. Uh, I, I needed to pray about it. I just wasn't going to jump into something. I was still kind of licking my wounds from the previous church. But uh, I said, all right, you know, I'm going to pray about it. And, and one day I was praying with him and, and one of the youth leaders. And I just felt God say, okay, it's time to get into youth ministry. So I was blessed. I loved youth ministry. Did it for a long time. And then 
after a while, uh, the, the founding pastor asked if I'd ever thought about becoming a pastor. I said, never in a million years. <laughs> no. And uh, God was doing some moving. God was doing some crazy stuff. And I was just incredibly blessed by it. And um, so I started the process with the schooling and the interviews and the whole bit to become a pastor. I went through that, uh, became a youth pastor and served as a pastor for almost 25 years and uh, no longer serving at the church as a pastor, but still a uh, pastor and involved with um, men's Bible study and uh, doing a lot of other stuff. And then um, God opened some crazy doors after I, I, I left the church as, as being a pastor and I started doing chaplaincy, did that for a little bit and loved that. Unfortunately, COVID hit. Now, while you're doing the pastor, you're still working um, uh, in the system as well? Yeah, so, so I was still working in law enforcement. So I was a full-time law enforcement, part-time pastor. Okay. And what was your, what was your family's um, reaction, response to uh, when you became a Christian? Because, you know, it's one thing to just sort of like, you know, put your faith on the shelf. But then when you go and, uh, and, and participate and become a member of another faith, how did they take that? Your parents, your siblings? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, my parents is unique. Uh, again, they were never Orthodox Christian, or I'm sorry, Orthodox Jews, but they certainly were Jewish. And my mom was kind of Geneva, I guess, kind of Switzerland or whatever. Kind of, she kind of <laughs> like didn't really take a side. My dad was actually okay with it, and he said, "Be a good person." And that's okay. And, and I've shared with him, I was able to share with him several times about Christ. And he was open, we had some good conversations. And then my middle son, who's a, a Christian studies major in college, shared with him as well. And another friend who's a Christian shared with him. Uh, my, my dad died in, uh, end of February of this year. And we're all very hopeful that we will see him again in heaven. Because um, he, he was open to talking about and I remember the last conversation I had with him, because he would always say that Jesus was a prophet, but not the son of God. Mm -hmm. And so the last conversation, he said, there's something different about Jesus than what I thought. Yeah. And we went from there a little bit. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that and hopeful. My um, brothers, my oldest sibling, and I, he and I talked about it, and he's kind of pursuing his Jewish faith. And we get along wonderfully. We are very, very close, but he is not interested in Christianity. Uh, but I don't hesitate to talk about it. Um, but now you said your, your grandmother was Orthodox. Did she, was she around when you uh, became a Christian? No, it was actually my great aunt was. My okay. grandparents were not really Orthodox. They were kind of like my parents. Okay. Um, but my... Um, Great aunt was absolutely no, but she had passed away prior to, well, no, I'm sorry. She, she was, I, I take that back. She lived a few years after I gave my life to Christ and I never really broached the subject with her a right. whole lot. It just wasn't, yeah. I knew at that point it wasn't gonna. Um, yeah. So again, that was a great question. Thank you. Um, yeah. And then uh, again, my brother just, we were great. Just let's not talk about it. And my sister, uh, she actually came to church for a while mm. and she felt like they were a bunch of hypocrites and had a hard time. And uh, I'm still hoping that some conversation will come up with that at some point. Yeah. And I, I was just having a conversation with somebody about the hypocrite thing because that's where my dad was. And 
And I told him, I said, yeah, they are a bunch of hypocrites. We all are. But, Amen. you know, it, it, we're not we're not designed to be perfect. Um, but, you know, that's where you, you don't you don't go into a, a, a garage and expect to see cars that are awesome. You go into a garage and expect to see a bunch of mechanics working on cars that need work. You know, the, yeah. that's that's the whole point of the church is to uh, to get under the hood and and, you know, fix the things and, and slowly work on it and, and get the engine purring. Not Absolutely. Perfect and leave perfecter. You know, it's kind of funny you said that because there's a church down here and I won't say the name of it, but I've driven by it and they got a sign out front that says the drama free church. And whenever I see that, I just laugh because it's like, well, put two people in there and I guarantee you it's not drama free. I mean, it's like, it's just a reality. And actually just one person would probably bring drama anyways, but here's what we I, need to do, I, Dennis. We no need to have thing. a road trip. We need to go on a Sunday and visit the drama free church and just show them what a little drama might look like. We could that sit on opposite fun, sides. Man. And uh, we'll just have a discussion across in the middle of the thing and, and uh, say, the drama. The drama you, <laughs> yep. Yep. you know, reality is, is, is we are all uh, prone to make and, and say and do stupid things sometimes. And uh, God forgives us all for each and every one of them. And, and so, um, yeah, yeah well, and, and that, that kind of leads into to the, the song that I have for us for our, our, our uh, song of the week this week, uh, which is a song. It's, it's a band called, uh, well, group. It's Thrive Worship. The song is "Pour Your Spirit Out," and um, I I played um, music with a guy for a long, long time uh, in churches, uh, several different churches, and in Celebrate Recovery at several different places. Uh, my friend Mark, and he just recently, like two weeks ago, retired and he moved to Colorado. So we had our last night playing with him a couple weeks ago, and this is a song that he wanted to play, and I wasn't familiar with it, but I love the song so. We're going to give you about 90 seconds to pour your spirit out. We'll be on the back on the other side to tell you our thoughts and to talk about what's going on in Dennis's life now. So uh, here's 90 seconds to pour your spirit out. There you go. A little bit of Thrive Worship. Dennis, what do you think about that song? That's powerful. I've never heard that before, but I'm going to uh, listen to it again after I get off the phone with or off this podcast with you. It was uh, great. Something I've told people, I've done counseling with thousands and thousands of, of people throughout my time in ministry. And uh, I've always told them, I said, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you less. His love is unconditionally 
perfect for us. He loves us no matter how much we mess up. And, and as I've gone through different trials and tribulations in my life, just to know that God loves me no matter what I do, no matter how much I mess up. And uh, it's just been beautiful. That's just what really just spoke to me. Yeah. God pours his spirit upon us and leads us. And I've shared that with my kids. I've told them all, I said, you know, you guys are going to make mistakes and I'm going to always guide you in the right direction. They're all adults now. Two out of three of them are married. And, but I said, I love you. I love you unconditionally. Nothing you're going to do could ever make me not love you just the same. So I just know that God loves us with that power and that incredible, incredible love that we don't even understand is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously to a couple of prison fellowship guys that uh, that line that says praise can break down prison walls. It makes me think about being in um, the, the prison. And there were a couple of times where we were doing praise. And uh, one time we were in a room that had um, had glass uh, windows in the wall so people could see. And, and there was a, a crew of inmates that were doing uh, a bunch of porters, you know, mopping and emptying trash and whatnot in the offices across the hallway from us. And they said, look, I want those guys to look over here. I want us to be loud enough that those guys look over and find out what the heck is going on in this room because they hear these guys praising. And, and we did that. And then one time we were, we were doing our praise in our, our, uh, our group. And we had, this group had probably about 25 guys in it. And, um, the uh there was a lockdown and so one of the officers came in to check out what was going on with all the ruckus in our room because the guys were just feeling it and and the spirit was there and i just love that and that's awesome you know they nobody left the prison while i was there um physically but emotionally they left they were they were there and it 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 that praise was able to get them out of that and it it did break down the walls for their heart for their soul and uh that was so so cool and and like in the bridge it says all you have to do is ask seek knock and watch the doors open amen yeah and it it might not be the door one of my favorite things to do when i'm traveling if i'm at a hotel with multiple elevators we play the game of you pick the elevator which one do you think is gonna you know open and uh, sometimes i pick the right one sometimes i pick the wrong one uh but you know sometimes i'm knocking at a door and and Jesus opens up a door a little bit down the hall. He's like, hey, buddy, I'm over here. You're, you're, you're looking at the wrong door. And just because I want him to open a certain door doesn't mean he's going to open that door. You know, if I want to open the door to, you know, my depravity and whatnot, he's not going to open it. You know, the enemy will. Uh, but, but, you know, Jesus will open a door. And if I find the door where Jesus is, I can be confident that, that going through that door is going to lead me to good things. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Guitar Mark, for, uh, for giving us that song. And, um, Hope you enjoy that, guys. Uh, so, uh, Dennis, uh, you are uh, Prison Fellowship uh, Field Director. What does that mean? It's kind of been an incredible journey uh, God has taken me on. And if I can just uh, kind of go backwards for just a second. So, again, when I, when I stepped away from pastoring a church, went into, uh, into um, chaplaincy, did that for a short time, COVID hit. So that went away. So, all right, Lord, now what? And, um, I, I always knew about prison fellowship and uh, was really excited about hearing that a position opened up in my area. And so I applied and I've been doing this for um, going on a year now. It's been an amazing, amazing ride and an amazing blessing. And God is just continually teaching me so many things about not giving up on those inside. Um, it just because, you know what, if, if, you, if you mess up in, in the 
world and you end up getting incarcerated, okay, you got incarcerated, but it doesn't mean that we're there to judge you or to give up on you. There are always second chances. And um, God is doing amazing things in President Fellowship. I am I'm so excited to be able to be a part of this and to be able to serve in this ministry. Uh, to work with brothers and sisters that have been incarcerated. I, I met a brother not too long ago at a conference we had that was actually on death row. Mm. And he he met uh, the founder of Prison Fellowship, which is Chuck Colson. He started this in 1976. And he got to spend some time with Chuck Colson and was mentored by Chuck Colson while he was on death row. Um, things happened and they ended up changing it to life in prison. They took him off death row. And then after, I believe, 30 or 35 years, he was released. And now he's in leadership in prison fellowship, serving in this ministry. So God just is doing amazing things. With my background, I, I kind of came into this thinking I was a perfect fit, being retired law enforcement and a retired pastor. So I thought, okay, that's going to be a great fit for me. But boy, God is teaching me more and more each and every day as I am serving in this ministry. Um, I was fortunate in my last 10 years of law enforcement, I went from county over to the state and I worked for the Department of Corrections and uh, saw a lot of stuff in there and, and, and dealt with a lot of stuff. But God has just shown me so much more since I've, I've started with Prison Fellowship and I'm just so incredibly blessed. And I don't know if now's the time, Paul, that I can, I'm sorry, BTG, I should, I never call you that. Um, <laughs> if, there, if I can share uh, just kind of how to get in touch with me, if God Absolutely. is in, in anybody's heart, man, there are so many openings. So my area that I have is I have Kern County. So I have five prisons in Kern County that I'm responsible for. And I have one prison over on the coast. It's called CMC over San Luis Obispo. And basically we have a couple different ways or three ways that we go in and serve at the prisons. We do hope events, which uh, BTG and his lovely wife will be joining me uh, in, in a week and a half at Tehachapi put on a hope event where we're going to be sharing Christ and we're going to be sharing about uh, what it means to be a father serving the Lord and serving his family. Uh, we're bringing up some great speakers, some uh, musicians, and it's just going to be a wonderful time. So we have hope events and we also have what's called an academy. And uh, actually BTG and his wife lead uh, several academies and have been doing it for a long time. And, and that's about a, a year long. And they are, are sharing Jesus in just a real way that these men and women can uh, relate to and they're going in uh, two to three times a week and just pouring their lives into them and it's just such an amazing ministry and opportunity we also do something called angel tree and a lot of you might have heard of angel tree before where uh, we we do events and we let these these um, folks that are incarcerated know about getting gifts for their children for their loved ones for their nieces and nephews and grandchildren and whatever it is. And, and we come alongside and we have amazing sponsors that help bring this all together. Uh, I would love more than anything to get a team of people that just have a passion for serving Jesus through this ministry. So I want to give you my phone number and feel free to call me. If you have any questions, you want to know more about it, you want to get signed up, whatever it is. Again, my name is Dennis and my phone number is 661-332-6384. So again, 661-332-6384, or you can call, or I'm sorry, you can email me at Dennis underscore Allen, A-L-L-E-N, and it's Dennis with D-E-N-N-I-S, at P-F-M, standing for Present Fellowship Ministries.org. Love to hear from you, love to get you involved. This has been something, this has been life-changing for me. It really has. As much as I've done in my 
career and doing different things this has just been life-changing and god is just moving in amazing ways and lives are being changed for christ yeah and and prison fellowship is all over the place so you know if you're listening in uh, in new york and you want to get involved um it's uh prisonfellowship.org you can go and um there's really <clears throat> easy links to follow to become a volunteer and see what's going on in your neighborhood your neck of the woods and you can get in touch with someone and and maybe like, you know, when I got in touch with Prison Fellowship, we weren't doing anything at the prison where I'm working. Prison Fellowship did not have a footprint. And um, so uh, through a series of connections that uh, God laid out for us, I was able to meet a guy who was uh, doing the same job that Dennis is doing now. And uh, I, I met him like his second day on the job. He His eyes were wide open. His head was spinning. And uh He's just like, oh, I don't know, let's try it. And we, we got Prison Fellowship going there. And so maybe there's a, a, an institution near you that needs you to be in there. So, so reach out to Prison Fellowship. Um, it's always easier when you're working with a, an established group like Prison Fellowship to get things going because um, they bring just you know, a history of excellence that uh, speaks louder than just you knocking on the, the door uh, at the prison and asking to see the warden, you know, you're going to get through a lot more doors when you ask, seek, knock with prison fellowship. So uh, if you've got a heart for that, reach out and see what can, you can do in your community. Um, and, and if you don't live next to a prison, uh, maybe you can uh, get a, a, a junky little car and drive like I do. Uh, it's uh, it's a, the blessing of my life next to my, my wife and my kids uh, being able to do this is, has been an amazing. Uh, you know, Dennis, you talked about being in law enforcement for so many years and now you're doing a different side of it, working with the same clientele, but with a, uh, a different billet. So what, what is the perspective change, if any, on being in now when you go through and you're working or, or how you interact with uh, the inmates or, or see them, or has there been a change in perspective with that from the time you, you know, began in law enforcement to doing this now? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I always felt like I was probably in the top whatever percentage you want to say as far as not judging those that are incarcerated. Uh, so many times I've seen it, and I've, uh, I was uh, an administrator with the, with the state, so I, I've seen people do and say stuff that, that were just inappropriate towards the incarcerated folks, and they shouldn't have done that and um, got themselves in some trouble over that. But I've, I've always felt like, like we're not there to judge them. But I don't think I ever took it a step beyond that. I always just kind of said, all right, we're not there to judge them, but, you know, whatever, that's okay. I'm a Christian. I'm going to share my faith when I can. But, but now what Prison Fellowship has taught me that it's not only are we not there to, to judge them, but we're also not there to give up on them. There are second chances, and there are ways that we can help them by sharing Christ with them and doing these other things. And that's what, I mean, we're talking thousands of people all the time that are giving their lives to Christ through ministries like prison fellowship and uh man it's just a change i still remember when i was working at a prison in uh central california and i was a supervisor um and uh the my the guy that the the gentleman that was there was uh, my my clerk was in there for triple homicide and he was absolutely on fire for jesus yeah and we talk all the time about his relationship with christ and he acknowledges he he deserves to be in prison for what he did. And he gave his life to Christ in prison. And I'm pretty sure it's through prison fellowship. At the time, I wasn't that familiar with prison fellowship. 
But um, man, God is moving to this, and He's definitely taking a, a, a change, made a change in my heart with how I feel. And uh, to kind of turn a corner from it, I want to throw back on BTG for just a second. When I met him and his wife and saw a passion in them for this ministry that I've never seen before. And just to know that, that they're there and they will move and do anything to be able to serve in this ministry. And, and they are not unique. There are so many volunteers out there that will drop whatever they're doing. I just talked to a gentleman for about an hour yesterday. Uh, he has a brand new baby. And he said, as long as I can get away, I'm, I'm here to serve in whatever I can do, whatever it takes, I wanna do that. And so just to see volunteers like, like Paul and, and his wife and others that are just willing to serve and get involved, it's just, it touches my heart, it really does. And it's just been such a blessing. Yeah. And uh, again, if God is turning anybody's heart, man, this is just such a worthwhile, and wonderful ministry. And it's first and foremost, a ministry to the Lord. And we're not about denominations. We're not about anything. We're about Jesus Christ. And we're about sharing Christ with others. And that's what God's doing here. Yeah. And I was looking at, um, you know, what I try to tell people when they ask why I do this, you know, because you'll meet people who have like anything, uh, you, know, you, said, <laughs> you said two people together, you're going to have drama. You're going to have disagreements or differences of philosophy. And people, some people believe that prison is a place for punishment. And some people believe that prison should be a place for, you know, uh, uh, rehabilitation. Uh, one of my favorite uh, thoughts when I, when I went and did my first um, orientation at the prison, one of the, uh, the sergeants there was talking about a, a sign he had read at a prison that said, prison should be the punishment. We're not here to punish the prisoners as they're here being in prison is the punishment. And I like that idea is like, yeah, sometimes we need to be away. I needed to be away from society. They needed to take me in and, you know, put me in the corner and let me think about what I had done. I needed that time out. But then, you know, people are going to be getting out. Most of the people who go into prison are going to be coming out. Um, it says here that uh, life sentences, this is from uh, the Federal Bureau of Prisons statistics in America, 2.6% um, of inmates are on a life sentence. Um, most of them, the largest percentage of people, like over half of the, or just about half of the uh, inmates are doing five to 15 years. And what that means is they're going to spend some time in there and then they're going to come back out. And how do I want those people to come out? Who do I want to come out? Do I want a guy who's taken three lives to come out and take more lives? Or do I want a guy who's taken three lives to come out and save lives? Amen. And, and if, if we Amen. can give them the tools and the skills and the heart and show them some love so that they don't come out looking to just keep doing the same old thing, they're looking to do something different. That makes my world safer. That makes your world safer. And, and regardless of how you feel about that person, if your world is safer, isn't that a better thing? If our world is a better place and there's more people in heaven, that's where I want overcrowding. I don't want overcrowding in my prison. I want it in my heaven. I want it to be stuffed with people. And, and Amen, that's, that's beautiful. The, yeah. the, the thing that, you know, we need to do. And, and everybody in there is a, a human, you know, and all the time I've been locked up and, and when I locked up and then working with, uh, with people after I've gotten out, I met two people that I thought, well, yeah, that person has not found it yet. That person, we should probably, you know, lose the key for a while on that person. But the overwhelming majority have been, people who are decent and who truly feel bad. You know, I always say 
to people, you know, if, if you want to see how people feel about the crimes they've done, don't go in when the lights are on. Go into the cells when the lights are off. And that's where people have to, you know, are able to stop fronting and, and showing this hard face. And that's where you hear the repentance is when those lights go off and those doors slam shut, you know, people are repentant and they feel bad for what they've done. Um, but when the lights are on, you know, they, you're in a, a society where the weak get preyed upon. So you, you're not going to talk about how sorry you are for your crimes. You're going to brag about it on the yard or whatever. Um, but that's just a show. That's just denial. And, and um, you know, I, I, I honestly believe that everybody in there is one of God's children and God loves them the most. So who am I to not, you know, Amen. it's my job you know, to love it's, them. It's funny you said that just real quick. Um, the events I'm putting, I'm putting on in, uh, in a week and a half in Tehachapi, my speaker that I'm bringing up uh, was a life, uh, he was incarcerated for life. He did, I want to say 26 or 27 years, gave his life to Christ through prison fellowship, uh, got out, is now pastoring a church down in San Diego area, and full-time there, and also works full-time at a re-entry program, helping guys and girls when they're coming out of prison to help integrate them back into society in a positive mm -hmm. way. So just to see these, these movements that are happening and these changes that are happening, and God is moving in prisons right now, folks. Mm -hmm. This is real. I mean, the Holy Spirit is moving mightily, and he's not done. He's not done, and he needs willing people like each one of us to get out there and, and share Christ with others. Yeah, and it, it doesn't have to be a huge commitment where you're, you know, and it can be. I mean, you can drive hundreds of miles a week and, and spend several days inside, but but it can be just as simple as, you know, volunteering for a hope event and, and you know, just doing once or twice a year doing something. Or if you live near a prison, go down there and, and wait for people to get released and just smile at them. Just tell them, you got this, you can do this. Uh, I remember, I'll never forget walking out of uh, the facility and the last thing that got said to me by an employee was see you next week. And I was like, that's how you're sending people out. You're just telling them, Hey, I know that you're going to mess up and come back. It was, and I, I, I mean, it was great for me because I was like, no, you won't. And I did everything that I could to make sure that that guy was going to be wrong. But, you know, people thrive on, on support, <laughs> you know, if we want people to do well, we need to give them support. So, you know, smile at people, do something nice, uh, pray for us, uh, support your local prison fellowship, uh, uh, field director or volunteer or whatever. It's, um, if it doesn't change your life, well, then you're either leading a great life already, or you just haven't done it long enough. <laughs> Let God soften that heart. Yeah, and something something that you said earlier is is we are actually the world's largest ministry for those incarcerated and their families. So we are worldwide. And again, if God is stirring your heart and wherever you live, if whatever state or whatever country you live in, if you want to reach out to me, I can put you in touch with somebody that could guide you and and talk to you. So I have no problem being in, in between. If you're in New York, like like BTG said or whatever, uh, let me know and I will I will find out where you live and I will connect you with the right person in that area. And if we ain't there, we ain't there yet. Maybe it's yep. you that's going to start putting us where you oh, are. So excellent. excellent. So uh, we're all here to do the work. Listen, Dennis, 
thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And by the way, Dennis is the guy who brought us Lowry guy, uh, folks, uh, a couple of weeks back when Lowry was on. Uh, that was uh, Dennis's hookup. So he was booking people on the show before he was even on the show. Um, so well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you letting me uh, share for a few minutes. This has been yeah, fun. It was awesome. So um, uh, again, if you want to get in charge or in touch with Dennis, give us the number one more time, Dennis. 661-332-6384 or my email, Dennis underscore Allen at PFM, such as, as in present fellowship ministry.org. All right. And uh you know, you can find us on the uh, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams. We're even on that MySpace thing where we're still out there. So reach out, get involved. Remember, social media is not social if you're not being social. So come out here and, and get social with us. We promise not to put all the uh, the hateful garbage that you see in other places. We'll give you a little bit of uh, love. Uh, check out the blog, uh, Minister of Mocha, on Mondays. And uh, tell everybody about your uh, your experience here on the show so that they can uh, hear this as well. Uh, post all the links and just, you know, you can't overpost us because we love to be, to be heard. So thank you for doing this. Uh, and we will see you next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the mess it up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Yeah.